Listen, I know this is a hot topic. I know there are going to be a lot of thoughts on this episode, and we want to hear them. Click the link in the episode description, log on to Anchor, and leave us your thoughts in a voice memo to be discussed in our next special episode. This conversation is controversial, but long overdue, and we want as many perspectives as possible participating. Just, if you can, give your thoughts in the spirit of generosity. Enjoy the show. Hi there. My name's Ryan Bernston, and this is 50 States of Mind, a cross-country journey to all 50 states to talk to mayors, governors, and voters on both sides of the aisle to figure out what's really going on in the United States. I'll be honest, when I started this trip, I wasn't optimistic about the state of our country, but after visiting our neighborhoods, towns, and communities, I've been given an exciting education that has allowed me to listen, challenge my preconceived notions, and taught me something new. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, this is the first 50 States of Mind special episode, and we have a pretty amazing gathering of people here. The big three, all of our favorites from the first three episodes. Let's go around and reintroduce ourselves to America and the world. Hello, my name is Marco. I'm from Zimbabwe. Hello, I'm Marie. I'm from Mexico City. I'm Yoan. I'm from London. Yoey. Or Yoey. Are you from Wales? England? So we've, we've gathered this really interesting panel of people here today because we're going to be talking about a tough subject. We're going to be talking about my visit to the Trump rally. It's something that I've gotten a lot of heat for. It's something I've gotten a lot of hate, love, compliments, insults for. And it's something I want to discuss with a group of people with different perspectives. We have someone from Africa here. We have someone from Mexico here. We have a perfect example of white privilege here. And we have a guy from Wales. So I think it's a really great group of people to discuss what's going on in America and this group of 66 million people who voted for someone who is now the president of the United States and gets a lot of attention. And the thing I don't want to talk about is Trump. The thing I do want to talk about, or the people I want to talk about, are the people who made the decision to vote for him, and how they all got there, and maybe the nuances of the fact that they didn't all get to that decision the same way. My last episode, I interviewed someone in our course, someone who is from Jamaica, who decided not to vote in the 2016 election because she felt a conflict, and leaning into the nuances of people that made the choice not to vote, to vote Republican or to vote for a third party candidate has been a question that's been a part of this podcast for a while. I made the decision while I was in New York that I had only really talked to liberal people or maybe a Trump supporter in a blue state, a Trump supporter at a university. And I did not want to do this, but I knew that in order to get a very important state of mind in the country, I had to go to a Trump rally. So it was the day before the midterm elections And I drove eight hours out of my way to Cleveland, Ohio. And I was really nervous because we all know that at these Trump rallies, we hear on the news that people are getting punched. People are getting heckled. Journalists are getting roughed around. So I said, okay, I have to go undercover. I have to go in disguise. So in New York, I bought a MAGA hat. I put on a flannel. I put on a leather jacket. I grew out my beard and drove into the hangar on the outskirts of Cleveland sat in the car and got really nervous. I was like, what am I going to do? I mean, 
I'm going undercover. What if I get found out? Are people going to hate me for going? I'm going to get get in trouble. Are all the people I worked with on the Hillary campaign going to disown me? So I get out of the car and I'm walking towards the rally. And this journalist stops me with a news camera. He says, excuse me, can I interview you? I was like, about what? He says, well, your support for Trump. I'm like, well, actually, I'm, uh, I'm here doing what you're doing. I'm going undercover doing a little journalism. He's like, really? You look so convincing. So I felt very confident that my disguise was working out. So I get to the back of the line. I'm by myself. And in front of me is this group of four women, um, maybe in their mid-40s, and a, a guy, a bearded guy. And I'm standing there kind of on my phone. And this guy comes around peddling T-shirts, saying, who wants a Trump-Pence T-shirt? So this guy says, hey, do you want a T-shirt? I was like, do you have any Hillary for prison shirts? Because I want to give them to my friends from the campaign. And the four women in front of me turn around and say, no, but I can tell you where you can get them for really cheap. Get them on Amazon. So we kind of got talking, started this rapport. They kind of liked that I asked for a Hillary for prison shirt. So we're sort of chatting. They're like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from uh, New York. It's the last place I was from. They're like, is this your first rally? I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. They're like, well, you're not a liberal in disguise, are you? <laughs> no, uh, no, no. What made you think that? They're like, oh, it's just we don't see very many people coming here on their own. So we sort of start talking and I ask to interview them and I tell them that I'm doing this podcast. Yeah. So I said, I'm thinking of starting like a podcast to let people talk in their own words about politics. So you're, you're okay with this? Yeah. If I. Okay. Most people today don't really want to spend the time and be bothered to actually look up at what's being said. Right. Just want to let the news digest it for them, cut it up in sound bites, and spit it out to them. And they're going to go, okay, I agree with that. Why does the media make it seem like the Republican is so anti everything? Because they have an agenda. <laughs> what that agenda is, I still haven't figured out, but it's. Uh, but but they, they also, and all they're talking about is how he's hateful and how he doesn't like particular groups. I mean, Obama's out there campaigning right now for the Democrats, and the only thing he's doing is talking down the man who took over for him. He's not talking about any agendas or any actual policies that are being put in place. All he's talking about is the person that succeeded him and, and talking down about him. Has any other president ever done that before? No, I mean, never. Bush. When Bush left office, he stayed bombed the whole time. What it is about Trump is Trump speaks the truth. Trump Trump tells it. He's, he, there's no, you know, sugarcoating it. He's just going to hit you right in the middle of the eyes with it. And people don't like that. Well, not people don't like People like that. Politicians don't like that. Washington doesn't like it. He can't be bought. Do you want me to take a picture of you guys? Oh. <laughs> so you heard me offer to take a picture for them. Mm-hmm. And they pulled me into a picture and said, hey, do you want to get in the picture with us? I said, oh, yeah, sure. So I take a picture with them and they're on their phones and they say, hey, what's your name? I say, oh, Ryan Bernston. I don't think of it. They look me up on Facebook and all of my pictures on Facebook are of me with Hillary. Hillary for Iowa. Hillary for Iowa here, so. is my yeah. is still my work because <laughs> it's, I don't know, it's the best time I ever had. So I realized this as they're looking me up. And I see the mood completely change. This woman kind of looks up at me and she looks really confused and kind of angry. All right, I'm going to tell you guys something. You can't judge me. So I actually, you you judge everybody. I actually, I worked for Hillary. Did you? Welcome. And I say, I'm here because I'm trying to understand 
And I'm sorry I didn't tell you, but I didn't know if I'd be accepted in or if you guys would trust me. And this woman looks at me and just goes, come here. We are so glad you're here. And they all hug me and they say, this is so cool what you're doing. We want to show you all the love here. So I went from letting my fear shroud me and trying to be something I'm not sort of go undercover. And they ended up unmasking me and accepting me. And the next part of the interview you'll hear is them talking about things that I was really surprised by. Um, they were starting to talk about the walk away movement, which was started by a, a gay hairdresser in New York City. And this exodus of Democrats leaving the Democratic Party to become Republicans. And they're talking about, you know, people who are white, black, gay, straight. And they really started pushing this message on me in a way that said, we accept you for who you are and we're just glad you're here. That was very endearing. And they stayed with me for the next four hours, which is not what I was expecting. I was expecting to kind of go from person to person like a journalist and get little sound bites. But instead, I was sort of forced in this position where they said, we want to get to know you and we want to spend time with you in this rally. Yay. Okay. So tell me about the uh, tell me about the walkaway campaign. It was started by some gay hairdresser in New York, and uh, he realized that uh, you know, the Democratic Party really doesn't you know what gay people want, and uh, so it's just you know hey you know what we're not going to be Democrats so we'll just walk away from this hashtag walk away. Democrats would rather have George W. Bush than to have Trump succeed in making peace. They really would. They would have been like, see, told you so. When we first start, oh, he's going to get us into a nuclear war with those little rocket man and all that stuff. He's going to start a nuclear war. And then the next thing you know, they're sitting down talking. It's like, oh, he's giving away the farm. He's giving them everything to make peace. And he hasn't given them nothing. He hasn't even dropped the sanctions yet. But yet, you talk to somebody on the left, they're like, oh, yeah, he's giving them everything. Well, I heard on the news. Oh, my God. <laughs> I volunteered out to VA all the time. I cut hair from because I'm a vet. I go to because I, I use the VA system. Of course, I'm a barber. I go down there wherever they need me. They call me up. They know and, any four any the residents that are in the people. I come down. I cut hair from the guys. That, this is what we do. This is amazing. This is what we need to solidify your future. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say is it seems I think the perception of Trump supporters is always going to be swayed. You know, you're not going to understand them properly in any way because. People aren't going to do what you do. And the people who are doing what you do often come across, come in with that duplicitous sense. You look at the Daily Show, they always go up and they do mock them and they are mocked. So often it's sort of self-perpetuating that you're going to have a sort of contempt for left-wing people precisely because you always think they're in there to mock you. And then that reverberates because then you all think Trump supporters are crazy. So you have crazy Trump supporters being mocked by the left. The left continue to mock them because they think they're crazy and they think the left are always mocking them. So it's sort of self-perpetuating. But of course, loads of Trump supporters were Democrats. A lot of them just lost hope. You have Bill Clinton, who didn't make any sufficient change in your country, or in my opinion, no substantial change in your country. And then you have that followed up by Bush, who made a lot of bad change in terms, particularly in foreign policy. And Obama, after a financial crash, which basically could have seen the end of capitalism, you have again the quite centrist tax policies, welfare cuts. He bails out the banks further than Bush had already bailed them out. And people see hope in Obama and then they leave Obama and then they got Bernie. So a lot of, I remember a lot of Trump supporters were pro Bernie, but then when Hillary Clinton comes along, they've seen that for so many years now and it goes before Bill Clinton. And I think of course they feel, they feel that he, he is change. And so you have a lot of ex-Democrat Democrats, I assume 
who are pro-Trump. And of course, that's, that's surprising to people because the assumption is that a lot of people aren't concerned with economics and that a lot of people are concerned with stuff like gender and race and so on and so forth. And of course, a lot of people just care about money. They care about the jobs that are coming in, the jobs that are losing and so on and so forth. And so I think for those people, Trump, with his rhetoric, with his sort of highfalutin talk of change, he seems like the natural person to go to. And that's often forgotten because you just sort of go, well, actually, they're all racists. They don't care if you call them a racist when they're about to lose their jobs. That's very good. That's very, <laughs> that's very articulate, really. All right. Yeah. Every, every time someone says something really smart, they get champagne. So yeah. you said something smart, you get said something There's smart. Oh, yeah, she, say? she said she just, she said I would have punched you. I would have punched you, though. I mean, that was, that was, no, that's an extreme. Marco's on the side of the Trump supporters, which is... You would no, I'm not, I'm not. You're I'm just, just soft. You would. I'm, you I, I, I wouldn't have punched you because I don't know how to make a proper like, fist. And I don't know how to punch. So the next thing that happened is I go in with these people. I'm not going to use their real names, but they're all... You know, realtors, barbers, people in the Cleveland community. And one thing I didn't realize about the Trump supporters, people that are Trump supporters, is that they put a lot on the line to be Trump supporters. So this woman told me that her best friend, who she had disagreed with on politics for a really long time, blocked her on all social media, blocked her on text, won't reach out to her. And she found out from her best friend's, or now ex-best friend's mom, that... She can't take the hate. She doesn't want to have any ties with someone who's a Trump supporter. And I imagine from the friend's perspective, she thinks that that's going to make her change her mind and make her be like, you know, I'm not a Trump supporter anymore. In fact, I think it makes her dig her heels in a little deeper and makes that community aspect of the Trump rally mean more. Because you go there, it's like a party and it's not an all white party. There were people from Costa Rica, there were black people, there were Hasidic Jews. It was definitely predominantly white, but it was much more multicultural than I was expecting. How much? It has to be low, though. I'd say maybe 10 to 20%, but it's also Cleveland. I, I don't know if that's the, yeah. the demographic, but I didn't walk into a fascist white power rally. I was standing next to the 70-year-old grandma who was like, you know, if, if they throw a t-shirt our way, you can have it because I'm not allowed to wear it in front of my grandkids or else their mom won't let me see them. And then these two girls come up to us and we're talking about Hillary. They're like, we hear she might run again. And this old woman goes, if she does, she's crazy. And these two, maybe 20 year old girls go, oh, Hillary's crazy. All right. You know, the child sex ring that she's running with Bill. Have you heard about this? It's about to come out in the media. And this old woman goes, no, we disagree with her on policy. And shuts them down and they kind of slink away. The most important thing I want people to take away from this podcast is at the Trump rally, Memory from Cats was part of the pre-show music. Macho Man was part of the pre-show music. I mean, how embarrassing if it is a fascist rally to be playing one of the gayest songs, two of the gayest songs, Memory from Cats, Memory all over the moonlight and Macho, Macho, and they're throwing t-shirts out. So it had this feeling of people who wanted to belong to something who hadn't been able to belong to something in a really long time. And I think if you listen to some of the other episodes, it's about the search for meaning. We're talking to people who are um, Muslim, talking to people who are Christian, talking to people who are bartenders trying to create a sense of community. And there's a very strong palpable sense of community there, which maybe is what people are looking for. I'm not saying that's why people voted, um, but maybe there's 5% of the people that like that community and are willing to, when their best friends turn their back on them or their grandkids won't talk to them, lean in more to that. 
I get what you say. I agree with that. We talked about that in our episode, this kind of notion of belonging, this sense of feeling that other people understand you when maybe others didn't recognize you because they saw you as lesser intelligent or lesser human being. But we also have to agree that we need to be careful because this kind of thinking of, okay, he has made this community for them, makes him a little bit of a messiah figure. And that's very populist, dangerous rhetoric. Because one thing is to find somewhere that you can belong. That first of all, it shouldn't be a political party. It should be a community of human beings. Not whether you vote for green or red or blue. But then thinking that, or that they think, that this is what they were waiting for, really puts him up like Trump on that pedestal. And that is so dangerous. But in the sense that for them... It gives them some sort of peace that whatever system hasn't been able to give them. Exactly. And my whole question is, what is that system that has failed them? And I don't have an answer to that. Benedict Anderson talks about an imagined community that we all live in, which is the nation, right? And mm -hmm. the nation is a good example of a community that can be very dangerous, but also can be very lovely. It gives you a sense of belonging and all these things. And if we're talking about where we're from, you know, I'm saying London because I don't feel a particularly strong national identity. But I think Maria does, and I think you do to a certain extent, maybe not as much because she That's bangs lovely. on about it all the time. And you certainly feel a strong sense of national community. And so that is another version of a community that can go wrong. So in that sense, I wonder what everyone thinks in terms of community in that way, or can there be a good community in particularly looking at Macca? I agree with you. I mean, you cannot generalize the concept of community or say that danger is an inherent, I don't know, feeling or consequence of community. But it is clear that a communal sense, a shared feeling, shared concepts, shared mm. thoughts and ideas. And when you're following someone who's supposed to be a leader that will tell you things that you don't know, give you things that you can give yourself or your family, help you get to the life that you want to live. And that person is telling you that someone that has a different color from you, mm. that has a different sexual preference from you, that has comes from a different nationality to you is a lesser being than you of becomes course. of course a dangerous yes, but community of course, but then you all right so if you take the example of a lot of people see feel a similar thing and the comparisons have been made i think they're quite tenuous but whatever with jeremy corbyn in the uk um just made comparing him to trump now corbyn would hold and his supporters would maintain although that's that's questionable his supporters would maintain that they are a sense of community in which they want to put progress society mm -hmm. they want to share ideals of love and sort of solidarity and community together his opposition would of course maintain that actually you know there's elements of anti-semitism that they're actually not doing any of these things and that they hold no real purpose in that sense but is that a community that's acceptable because again that just comes down to to people's opinions right yes actually i stand correct because i don't think that. Because I think community is a good thing. And we are social beings. We do need to belong to a community. That's important. That's important. But the problem is when... Because hmm, I don't want to say when you belong to the wrong community because that's, that's not my place to it's say, subjective. right? But yeah, it's sort of really what I said. Yeah. When, when the community that you belong to has very questionable values. Of course, they have values of love mm -hmm. and, and not other wonderful things that I'm sure and I know that those people are. But some of their core values, their foundational 
concepts to the community are very problematic, like deeply human problematic. Okay, but you can't you can't say that Trump supporters would never accept that. They would like Ryan, as we was talking to them, as I'm sure we've seen and we will see. They would not suggest they're racist or homophobic. Most of them, a lot of them would. Of course, he attracts racists and he attracts. I think homophobic. actually a lot of them feel I don't entitled think, to. I think if you, Trump, for example, that's Trump, one for example, wonderful does, thing about the community yeah. that now he has given voice to the silent. But, but Trump, Trump, for example, would reject those. You see at these Trump, Trump, one Trump, Trump. Trump. <laughs> you see at these Trump rallies is that they talk a lot and they do say always that it's about love and it's about America and all these very you know sort of rubbish nebulous terms but at the same time i don't think they don't think it i think they think that trump is the person to bring america to a next step where everyone and they think he's the person who will unite the nation that's an absurd concept to me considering the things he says but that's not absurd to them and when i say things of my political opinion people go people are still mind blown by the idea that you know for example corbyn can get into power and make the country united people go he's an idiot they say he's an anti-semite they say all these other things and so I have to compete with that. But this is a person I kind of go, I genuinely think he wants to help people out. I think Trump supporters do as well. I mean, it's an absurdity to me, but nonetheless. But my, my issue is always, right, sometimes if you, if you, whatever you believe about the person, like if you think Trump is there to unite, you have to look at the fruit of his work. Like, because his work is so decisive. Because I feel like if... What you say is going to lead to someone running someone down and killing them. Mm. Then you have to look at what you say. If someone who's going to... Because, for example, what happened in New Zealand, Mm -hmm. I don't think Trump is responsible. But if what you say can actually somehow feed that hate in someone, then you have to look at what you say. So you don't have to think you're racist to be racist. You you can be racist without saying, oh, I'm racist. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you're not. Yeah. I just don't think he'd accept. I don't think he'd accept that. The yes. problem is that I think few people can. I'm sorry, unless you are a very sensitive person, or someone that has experienced it, like either racism or sexism or homophobia, whatever. You can really talk about it. These people, especially Trump, these people, the people in the rally, not, but Trump. He's a privileged white man. He has always lived in privilege. He doesn't know what it is to be the other, another alienated, either being a woman, either being a gay man, either being a transgender person, either being a black old woman, whatever. And these people that are in the rally, maybe they come from, I don't know, the lower class, whatever. But also mainly, most of them are white. So they experience a lot of economical and social anguish in the sense that the lower classes experience that because of what the left and the right has made. But they do not experience these claims, these notions inherently lived by people who are actually ostracized. So they cannot understand it. It's not that they cannot say, no, no, we're not like that. They cannot understand it because they have never experienced it with their body. So for them, it's just, they, I don't think they even understand the concept. So I don't know what I'm saying. As, as opposed to white people on the left. No, no, no. I'm not defending the left. You're saying in general... I mean, we're talking in the end about the people in the rally, aren't yeah. we? But do you think that... I do believe the left is a little bit more diverse than the right. Great. That's great. That's awesome. 
a little bit. I forgot my point. Yes. You and I I cause to just carry on with your point and I feel like that's why they can justify when Trump says all Mexicans are rapists. Like what that means. Actually, when I, you think about I it. I won't be alone with Maria after twelve PM. That's noon. You have, <laughs> yeah. you have beautiful eyes. Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, what that means, like someone who will say that, I'm sorry, right? Yeah. And then I, I don't feel you can follow that person and say, but this, but that. And I feel like your point is right. You can say, it's my job, it's my economy, it's my money. And that's important. It's really important. But I feel like then just, just say that and then don't justify anything else. I feel that those people are fed those same anxieties not because they don't live them of course they're worried how they're going to support their family but these politicians feed them these notions of or this rhetoric of oh all these immigrants are stealing your jobs and because they're stealing your jobs you're not able to pay for your daughter's college so their mind process like a b c d is oh of course these people are to blame either mm -hmm. it's the left Either it's the Polish immigrants, either it's the Peruvians, either it's like whoever. So sometimes I believe that these people are not all of them as racist as they become when mm. they become affiliated to a party or within it, when they are part of a political community because they see these leaders are as gods. Yeah. And if the leader tells you, oh, by the way, your son cannot find a job because... I don't know, that Mexican community over there is taking over the jobs. It doesn't matter if it's a cleaning job, if it's a fancy job. Right. But if you actually listen to Trump talk, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't see how you can listen to him talk and think, yes, this is the man who's going to, to make the change, who's going to open back the coal mines, who's going to, to build back the factories. And then you think, yes, sure, this guy is the one that knows what he's talking about. He's the one who's going to change the whole economic structure of the whole world that's shifted in the last few years and bring back this old time America great again. I don't, I don't see how that's true. Let me tell you, I mean, the relationship because between Mexico and the US is dramatic, is brutal. I remember a woman that works for my aunt's house. She crossed the Rio Bravo and she crossed with her bro brother and her brother was shot by the border police and she was Damn. deported. And they were some of the best people I've ever known. And you say, I mean, I'm privileged enough to have had the opportunities that I had not to need to cross the Rio Bravo mm. to the US, mm. but they didn't. And suddenly they, they have been vilified by the press and by politicians, but not as a personal individual attack. It's like a conceptual attack. Yeah. You know, you are a, a notion, the notion of foreign, other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then it exists everywhere. That's the thing. Yeah. So it's not just like... No, it's Trump not the US. It's, yeah. it's just, it's everywhere. And it, it really annoys me. Because to be fair, I'm on the other side of it yeah. constantly. So I'm like, damn it. So it's not racism as such. It's just like this fear. Like when people... It's like social anxiety. What I'm looking for in my essay is about social anxiety. When there are things going on in society and there's people are anxious because things are not going well. Yeah. If you can just point to that person who is foreign and other... So if you're in South Africa, if you look at all these Zimbabweans jumping the border, because we do have yeah. that. People cross the river to, to go to South Africa to find jobs and they find the, you know, the difficult jobs. Mm -hmm. And then if you can just say, this Zimbabwean, this is the reason why you don't have a job. This is the reason why it's difficult for you. And then people will burn people with tires. 
they have this thing in South Africa where they burn people with tires. Oh my God. Like they will put a tire on top of you and light it up and burn it. And they do it a lot to Zimbabwe. But this is the thing. In like the- you said, it happened everywhere in the world. Yeah. Have you ever been so busy that you were like, I wish I had an intern? I've been there between grad school and driving to all 50 states. Well, thanks to Gen M, now you can. Gen M offers you an apprentice for 90 days to help with your business, no matter if it's a startup or a podcast. You can search for apprentices based on skills, languages, and countries, and swipe through countless options to find the perfect person to help you grow your business. I'm such a fan of my apprentice that I'm offering everyone who signs up $10 off for clicking the link in the bio of the episode. So what are you waiting for? Start looking for a teammate today. I guess I guess we'll bring it back to um, something we were talking about. One of the women that I was with was telling me about her son. And she said, you know, one thing that's amazing that Trump has done in Cleveland is you see help wanted signs everywhere. Like the economy is booming and people can, can get jobs now. And I said, oh, amazing. What, what is your son going to do? She's like, He's going to be an electrician. And do you know what? I'm really proud of him. I was like, oh, I didn't say that you shouldn't be proud of him. I think that's amazing. She's like, oh, I just, I feel like in today's society, if you don't go to college and get a four-year degree, if you don't do these things, people look down on you. And I was like, I don't. He's probably going to make more money than I do. She's like, what did you study? I was like, I studied theater. She's like, oh, are you on Broadway? I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Maybe I should be an electrician. Which really gets at something that is a bit of a cultural issue that I think kind of appeals people to Trump. I think people feel like these people are looked down upon because they don't hold important jobs in society. They're just electricians. They're just these things. But I think that's a a bigger question about American society is when do we start disrespecting these jobs of being an electrician, being a janitor? I, I get that, right? But it's like Trump is the very opposite of it, though. He was born rich. He didn't have to work for anything. His children have never had to work for anything. My problem with Trump is that I don't believe him. Like, I feel like he just plays to people's, like, anxieties and fears. But I don't believe he respects the electrician, you know? But the problem is, why do they believe him? Yeah, I think... Yeah, why they, do these people Because he's seen as a sharpshooter or whatever it is, I you know? I think people are still entitled to believe who they believe. Yeah, That's not something you can actually really question. So, because that is akin to what essentially is so loathed about the left and particularly uh, senior left and centrist commentators yeah. is they sort of go, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're thinking. Your opinion's just wrong. You're too stupid to comprehend these things. Yeah. I think for a lot of Trump supporters, they're not supporting Trump. Initially, they're supporting something else, anything else. And I think a lot of those supporters that fell away that you're talking about are the people that are just like, I'll take anything else. I'll try anything. I'll throw any bomb at the, at the government. Trump was that bomb. But I believe there's a better, I hate to use the word bomb so many times, but I think there's probably a better bomb out there for people to put their hope into who can actually deliver on the change because we've, we need someone to deliver. And who? I don't know. There's plenty of people. There's plenty of Anyone people. But is there? That's I, the I, problem. I'm not American and this, because this is not only happening in the US. Look about what almost happened in France with Marine Le Pen. Look Ooh. what is happening here with Brexit in so many countries. But in the end... I mean, what I'm going to say is like a shared feeling. I just have this immense feeling of disillusionment of we have come to this and not because I'm afraid of this, because I'm afraid of the future. Like, then what's next? 
50, 100 years of this or much worse? Or we go back to the other side, which is like ugh, mediocre. What's the point? It, this sounds very pessimistic, mm. but it's true. It's like a shared feeling. But it's clear that the center has failed and it's fallen. And ultimately, you have to make economic, sustainable change towards more equality and a more meritocratic society. And that's the only way to tackle the sort of advances of the right and the far right. Yeah, but the problem is that I don't see a right anymore. I just see a far right everywhere. Yeah. The like far the far right, right is, has completely if, eaten and chewed this softer right. Yeah, of course. And but, that's so problematic that's, because problem everyone is, is on the, the extreme. Yeah, yeah but the softer right, the softer right led to the extreme. The softer right and the soft left led to the extremes because people were fed up of the same thing over and over again. So if you just want to go back to the same thing, it's going to lead to the same problems. I can't, that's why I can't understand that people aren't sort of, people are going, we should just go back to what it was before, but what it was before led to all these angry people. They led to people who were genuinely... Okay, Yoi, but then what's the answer? The answer is actually make systemic change that gives improvements to people's daily Yeah, but lives. for example, you are the left. Yeah. So for them, you are the same thing. No, yeah. I'm not the liberal left, though. I, like you, I would support candidates if I was American. I would support Warren or Sanders because they're making genuine arguments towards economic I understand equality. that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Like, what I'm saying is you can't go through Clinton. You can't go through all these people because that's what led here. And if we go back to that, we're just going to lead there again. Or at least people are just going to get fed up again. We need another you get, FDR. You get, it's not even that you have to have a radical transformative socialist party but you have to have someone who's genuinely addressing those those problems and also genuinely addressing the the basic blatant inequalities i know but by genuinely you mean actually acting on them because they Policies. have genuinely rhetorically yeah. addressed them but this is the problem these people in the rally they have heard that from left from right from center that genuine addressing you know in rhetoric not, rhetoric. rhetoric but not but not to the extent that you've seen recently. You no. never had a Corbyn or a Sanders in the last sort of 30 years, apart from some people who failed, but they never got close enough. Okay, but then... But I think a bomb, a metaphorical bomb, that just blows up this far-right, far-left far bullshit. I think it's bullshit. Because it's like, what far-right? What far-left? People have wanted change for so long, I think, and that's why they are voting Brexit, and that's why they're voting Trump, and they are increasingly going towards Corbyn, and they're going to candidates like Sanders and Warren. Because they're just done with the, the centre of policies that just sort of sugarcoat gaping problems and put plasters over massive wounds. But don't you think that... But Because I feel like voting Trump, voting Brexit, is not looking for change. It's like looking to turn back the clock like a hundred years. Which would be considered change, no? But for them, it, it is change. It's change. It's like, oh, let's make America great again. Let's make Let's Britain not think so about changes as change for good. Yeah. But it's change as is. It's like there's like this nostalgic idea of what, of course, but that's what the world was. Yeah. I mean, the, a, a lot of the people who voted for Brexit, for example, they wanted that change. And that's massive change. Yeah. That's going back to an idea that a lot of young people detest. Don't understand. And yeah. don't, well, I would say hate, really. We don't want that at all. But that's what they want. And that's change. So my version of change looks nothing like that. Yeah. But that's change. But a lot of people about Brexit, again, had the economic anxieties. I mean, it was pretty evident by any survey you see that there's a lot of people who are living in sort of the precariat who go, you know, gig economy jobs and all these things. So, of course, they're the people who are looking for change. And for them, change is just something that beats the status quo in the system. And you can see it because every single person who offers that change, particularly on the right and the left, to be honest, they always perpetuate themselves as anti-establishment and against the system and status quo. And there's a reason for it, because to be honest, they are. I have a question to Ryan. 
How many women did you interview in the rally? None. He hates them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just curious to hear what a female supporter has to say about him. So the group of people I was with were four women and one man. How old? 40-something. Younger. Um, the young people who said Hillary was an assassin. They were the craziest. That's yeah. cool. No, but I do wonder because apart from all the obvious things that we have said, why do Trump supporters vote for Trump? Women, like when you're a woman and you hear the things he says, the thing, the words he uses to refer to women. So why would you vote for someone that doesn't affect, like, it's just insane to me. This is a perfect segue for my next interview, which is with a woman who is a Trump supporter. But can I just say, Maria, it's a little bit messed up that you assume that these women don't experience the same things we experience. No, I'm just talking about the white privileged woman, Marco. Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Do you think that a white privileged woman from Mississippi, from a rich family, experiences what you as an African woman or me as an African woman experience in a white society? <laughs> Maria, are you an African I woman? I don't. I, I said African. No, I said African and a Mexican. No, no you no, said, said African. African and American. <laughs> Can we repeat it? No, no. Don't be a dick. No, but what? Because well, what I'm saying, right? But I feel like. But you don't think that I actually think that all of them are the same. I'm just asking that some an example, like a point zero zero or. 10% of the women that vote for him are very, very white. Very white. I'm going to say privileged in the sense of money. Privileged mm. middle class with privileges. I know. But, and I, but I, I think it is, it's dangerous if we go down the route of assuming that just because someone doesn't have your pain, they don't have any pain, or they don't no. have... No, sweetie, but we're not talking about feelings. But don't you think that, that most human experience is universal? Well, there is some that is different, but I think there's a lot that is universal. This is a perfect segue for my next interview, which is with a woman who is a Trump supporter. I just need to say I'm okay with you interviewing me. Okay. I am okay with you interviewing me. Okay. Just state your first name. Edna. Edna? Yes. All right. Tell me, why did you come to a Trump rally today? Because I want to show my support, my total support of this president. He's doing more than anybody other presidents, I support President Trump because he stands for and fights for everything that I believe in. And what do I believe in? I want values. I'm a mother, grandmother, God-fearing woman. And he stands for biblical values. We can't say that about the other party. You know, we're not to say he's a Christian, he's not. But uh, the values that are in the Bible, Trump is getting them started, such as with uh, Israel, because he supports Israel, we are, I'm going to be with, because the Bible says we're to stand with Israel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you feel like there are misconceptions about Republicans? Yes, we're not racist. We love people. I have Mexican neighbors. I love, they're the nicest people you'd ever meet. But they come here legally when we can take care of people. Everybody come, like this caravan, they come in at one time, overload our systems. That's not good for anybody. We have a system where you come by laws. Don't force your way. I don't want somebody forcing their way into my house, even though I would welcome them. Uh, I, I'll give food to anybody, 
but don't say you, you have a right and demand to come into my own personal space. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. There's law and order. So how do you feel in a Trump rally? It's the most hilarious thing. Not hilarious. Well, yeah, I do a lot of laughing and screaming. But I'll sum it up when I had to stop at the ladies' room coming out. A young, younger woman, I'm se almost 73, and I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't look it. Thank you very much. And I get around good because I go to rallies and stuff. <laughs> but anyway, she said this is the most exciting moment since the birth of her children. I said, I'll second that, except for the birth of my grandchildren also. This is how excited that we get when somebody's rooting for what we believe in. It's just starting to be rush hour. Were you surprised at what Trump became when you first heard he was running for president? Did you think? I wasn't going to vote for him. Mm -hmm. And let me share that with you because of his mouth I didn't approve of. Mm -hmm. He does speak with, mm, I don't know what to say, but I was raised in a family where we, normal people that I don't but I mean they talk like that so I can understand his harsh words well my sons talk like that and if they ever see this they'll know they'll laugh and and I didn't raise them to be harsh like that but they say it like it is I tried to be a little bit more gentler but Trump I mean he says it he makes me laugh the mood in there feels like you're at a rock concert similar because, hey, this old woman was screaming. I could scream as well as any of you young people. Absolutely. And we were dancing to be. And is this your first time at a Trump rally? No, it's my seventh. Seventh? I come to mall. I mean, that's local. And we also were uh, at the inauguration. Really? But this was our favorite because I'm right in the front. And when I go like this, that means my heart. And the last rally, it was in Huntington. I was got a close spot and I says, God bless you. And he looked right at me and gave me the thumbs up. So I am 100% positive as he come around there, he recognized me because we're like me and you. It's only been a couple of days. And I went to the rally before that. He has spotted me because God rewards me by getting a place up front. I don't care how late I go. I was one of the last ones to Huntington and I got right in the front to say, God bless you. Yeah. Is That's, that exciting? That what? is really exciting. So when he threw me a kiss here, I got it on camera. He threw you a kiss? Yes, he did. Now, now uh, how did you feel about that? Oh, he loves hey. Trump. Look at his hat. Kelly inside it. We both love it because he's fighting and working for us. He doesn't need to do that. He's got all kinds of money. He could be relaxing. I don't know what you do when you get a lot of money. We, we can't relate too much to that. But we do pretty good. We do pretty good. But he has he doesn't have to go through all of what he's going through from the media and the hatred that is shown. You talk about hatred? Okay, all the people in here, did you see one mean person? No. We are one mean person. Everybody was smiling at each other and being courteous. And the other people, I saw somebody and they used a bad word. And I said, mm -mm, no, we don't say that. And we're just different. We're different as night and day. We're different. Yeah. Let's love and get along. So what did you think of that? I feel like it is rationalizing. It is when you make this decision to support Trump, you have to justify why to polite society. He doesn't have the values that she's talking about. But somehow she can she can read that into it 
and rationalize to herself and justify why she, she chose him. So I don't believe she chose him because of his values and because of Israel, by the way. <laughs> why, why, do you think, why do you think she chose him? Nah, I'm going to be polite and keep my mouth shut. Because I don't, uh, I, I don't think you should. I, I shouldn't be You polite. can be polite, but saying what you think. I, d- I don't know. I don't know why she chose him. I think she chose him because he was saying what she wanted to hear. You know, he was saying that all oh, the issues that you're having, only I can fix it. It's the Mexicans. We'll kick them out. We'll build the wall and everything will be fine. But this is not a working woman. This is someone who says, you know, we've done well. She's retired. So I don't think she falls into the economic anxiety category. That's even more worrying to me. Let's do an exercise where let's look at this woman and assume, which is, might not be the case, that she's not racist. Can we think of any reason that she might vote for Trump? Foreign policy. Because she likes the way he speaks? She's tired and she finds him funny. In comparison to other politicians yeah. that might seem stern, boring, and too repetitive, yeah. corrupt, whatever. Charisma, he's charismatic. Yeah. To us, to if that the course of that's your like. type. Yeah. yeah. No, but he is. I mean, he does say it as it yeah. is, although it's not what it is. But he does, mm. still does say it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Because I, because I think yes. Because I think he is an entertainer. Because he came from showbiz. Yeah. He is an entertainer. He doesn't tell the truth. He doesn't tell the tough truth. He just entertains. And you yeah. know, I think the tough truth that you talk about would be actually unbearable even for these people to actually say why. They have their lives that they have. Why their children cannot go to college. Why they cannot have a better job than being an electrician. Like mm-hmm. the, the rough truth, if he would say like it is, it would be unbearable. But the, he says it very sugar-coated with jokes and with like throwing horrible but things at the other side. The What's wrong with being an electrician? Did I say something was wrong? You said they can't, they can't get a better job than being an electrician. No, to like, explain to them if they want something more. Mm-hmm. If they want something more, regardless of if it's better or not, if those desires or American dreams, whatever. But if they want something more and they cannot get it. Damn. Okay, here's, here's the final question and I'm not going to say a word. And you can riff off of this as you want. Did I do the right thing by going to the Trump rally? I, I, I don't I don't know what it accomplished. I think yes. Because if we don't try to see it from a very hopeful way of very hopeful approach of change, I think it's valuable in the sense that you are. If it's not a dialogue, I don't know what it is, but at least you're curious enough to spend part of your time in listening to people that perhaps you would never talk with, ever. And if that's not valuable, I don't know what it is. Because I'm very pessimistic thinking about hope and all that. You know how I am. But this is the only thing we can do. Talk and discuss and trying to shred why we think why we think. And if that's not valuable, I mean, honestly, what do you think he should have done? Not go? Okay, maybe if you're worried about the duplicitous approach at the first, I, I'm not worried about that at all because in the end they were lovely to you and they were actually interested to see someone that perhaps they thought was a Democrat now crossing to the other side. Why they were going to show you that they were not as bad as you thought. I think that's wonderful. I mean, we cannot put them all in a box. Yeah, they have very problematic beliefs. 
but they're still your neighbors. They still the people that work in the cafe that you go every day. So why wouldn't it be valuable to just go and interview them? I don't know. I mean, he's writing a book about the states of mind. Why do people think the way they think? Why did they vote it for what they voted? So what, you're going only to interview Democrats? Isn't that reductive? Isn't that simplistic? Well, I, I mean, I think the debates are always valuable. I don't have a problem with that. But I think you personally going in and talking to these people, I think is good for your own project. But I think when he got elected and continued to go on that platform, when he had said for later on into the campaign some pretty, uh, pretty offensive things, and then comes in, he's banning transgenders from the military. I think at that point, the conversation is, is pretty, pretty, um, and it's very pessimistic, but it's pretty dry. If they really want to see what's happening in their country, me saying it as an outsider, they need to listen. And that means everyone, even the people that they hate. They need to be heard. They're humans. They're your neighbors. You're going to silence them because that would fix it. Look at what just happened. Trump is president. This just leads me into my final thing. I approach these people with a spirit of generosity. So I'd like each of you to say something to someone who is listening who might be a Trump supporter. And now this is the opportunity to challenge. And that's why I've created this space. And just do it with a spirit of, of generosity, but don't be afraid to challenge. Can you hear the crickets? <laughs> <laughs> I would... This is very difficult because I would like to say many, many things and nothing at all. But maybe to be very simplistic, I would say that I, I understand, or at least I try to understand why some of them voted for Trump because many other systems have, or parties, people, whatever have failed them, have failed their dreams, have failed their families, have failed their livelihoods. I understand what it means to struggle, to survive. So I understand if that decisions come from a survival mode. Perhaps I would like to challenge them to rethink why they would vote for someone that is inherently the opposite of what their values or what they say their values. So just rethink them. I'm not, I'm not judging them. I'm not questioning why are they doing it, but maybe just challenging them to also rethink what other people that are not them experience. Perhaps people that are not American, but that have immigrated to America because they appreciate American values, not because they want to steal or rob They just want to live in sort of brotherhood as much as they want to. Thanks, Maria. That's great. I do wonder with people who are suffering from the sort of economic anxieties, which I think concerning a lot of Trump supporters, I would suggest with his record of cutting corporation taxes and cutting taxes for the highest standards in society, whilst also cutting welfare programs, I would like to challenge you to explain how you could still support someone who has so evidently acted against challenging income inequality and supporting the poorest in society and in the spirit of brotherhood as well should you not support those who are suffering equally or suffering more than you from those economic anxieties on my turn i was going to say for a writer I, surprisingly, do not really believe in the power of words in that way. I don't think there's anything I can actually say that's going to to make someone change their mind about what they believe. I don't think I can 
say something to somebody today and then they're going to think, oh, yes, this thing that I've held on to for the last three years is wrong. I don't think there's anything I can say, to be honest. Can I just say that did Trump not get to them with the power of words? Ah, good point. But maybe it's about words being, you know, who said this? Like when you read something, it's it's like the connection that you have. So I think he did get to them with the power of words by connecting to something that is in them that already existed. Do you think maybe you could say something that could... My, My truth, right, is that my truth is quite christian it's, it's about it's about love and i know maria doesn't really believe in this universal thing but i really believe in it i really believe that we can try to be the change that we want to see in the world but i suppose what i what it is for me is that i'm not really used to putting my own beliefs into words sorry i'm not really like really putting them into words i know what i believe and yes, it is about the universal, it's about love, it's about trying to be. You know what St. Francis said about, you know, in all your ways, in all your things, preach the gospel. And as a last resort, use words. So your actions are supposed to be the thing. You don't have to tell people you love them. Your actions are supposed to show that. But how do you put that into words? It sucks, man. What does that, that mean? Really, that it's, really it's like, it's nebulous. Like, it's like you, can't, you can't hold it, you know? But in politics, that's the thing. Yeah, because you can't say to somebody, love your neighbor. You can't say that. Because people believe that they love their neighbor. They believe that they're doing the right thing. They rationalize. We are very good at lying to ourselves. We all rationalize our actions, you know, to justify what we believe. Because no one goes around thinking I'm racist or I hate people. What I'm doing is bad. No one does something thinking that. We do things because we believe these are the right things to do. These are the justifiable things to do. Or if it's a sacrifice or something... Like your integrity, you believe you're sacrificing it for something greater. That's how you justify the things that you do. So how do I then say to somebody, oh, these five words of wisdom I'm about to give you are the ones that are going to make you see that, no, that's not true. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. Well, one thing I do know, it was this group of people and, and these different opinions that came together to create moments of transcendence that we've each had um and i know this is probably about the toughest subject you can come together and talk about and i appreciate you guys all being really candid and open you know where i'm coming from and you know my heart and i know yours and i appreciate you being open enough to to question and challenge and talk about these things and i hope that everyone out there listening has friends uh like you guys Thanks for listening. For more information about 50 States of Mind, visit us on our website, 50statesofmind.org. Or like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram, at 50 States of Mind. A big thank you to the band Bright Moments for the use of their song Travelers from the album Natives. Questions? Send us an email at 50statesofmindusa at gmail.com. See you next time.